All right. Good morning, everyone. Nice to hear that in English. Um, most of you know who I am. Um, Mark uh, Stanley introduced me earlier. Um, so, a short introduction on me. I grew up here in Kansas City, attending this church, and it's been wonderful to see all the transformations and um, developments in the Lord that's happened here. Um, since I've gone off to college, um, a lot has changed. Uh, that was about 10 years ago. After college, I decided, um, I felt the call of God in my life to move across the world to the other side of the globe um, to an Asian country. And uh, many of you know where that is. If not, you can ask your neighbor. Um, and this country is a little restricted. Um, but it's been a blessing to be there. It's such a great nation. Um, has so many wonderful people. Um, and it um, has been a blessing to teach English over there initially. Um, after several years of teaching English, I met my wife, um, who was doing the same thing. We um, fell in love, if you can call falling into love something that actually happens, and um, got married and made a 10-year commitment from that point to minister and to serve and to spread the gospel in that place. Um, the last year, which was the first year of our 10-year commitment, we have been learning the local language. And we have one more year of learning before we um, intend to dive full-time into the work of the kingdom. Um, now, on the screen it says Discovery Bible Study. Um, I want to share that with you today um, as we go through Psalm chapter 90. Um, this is a model of study and understanding the Word of God that we use when we work with the locals um, in that nation where we live. Um, the, the benefit and blessing of it, I want to share, um, it's a very simple model, and I've adapted the model for the purpose of um, preaching a message this morning. When we do it in a small group setting, it, it, it's a little different, but this is the core. And the reason I want to share it is because it's so simple. It allows God to teach his word as we read through it. And it doesn't require someone who has advanced study of the Bible, who has a, a deep, inherent knowledge. Um, any person can not only use this method of study, but also facilitate a group of people studying through it. Um, so, you'll look in your sermon notes. We have an outline of this structure. Uh, the first question, uh, of course, we start with reading the text. And the first question, what does this text teach us about God? The second question, what does it teach us about humanity? And how can I obey God based on this text? Um, so we're going to do that with Psalm chapter 90, and then I want to share a testimony uh, based on this verse um, for uh, encouraging you with what God is doing on the other side of the world. Um, 
So let's start with a prayer. Father, what a blessing it is to come into your word today and to discover a little bit more about your heart in Psalm chapter 90. God, it is a blessing to be alive, and we thank you for that. We thank you for the breath that is in our lungs, and we thank you even more so for the revelation that we have of Jesus Christ that is in our hearts, that you have imparted to us through other people in our lives in years past, that you have imparted to us from your word, and that we know our eternity, our eternal status is secure in the love of Christ, in the sacrifice of Christ that we just celebrated a few minutes ago in the Lord's Supper. And Father, we confess that in our weakness, we don't understand you the way that we can, that we don't understand your heart. And so like David, the man who is after your own heart, uh, we set our eyes to understand you more fully. Father, as we read through Psalm 90, I ask that through your Holy Spirit, you would teach and instruct us from your word. That every single person who is listening to this message, and myself included, would gain new insight into who you are and into who we are, as well as how to obey you from Psalm chapter 90 today. Teach each of us as we need to learn and understand and draw us closer together as the body of Christ that meets in this place. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As I read it, you're welcome to follow along. I'll be using the English Standard Version. However, I have found that sometimes um, I listen better, I learn better when I close my eyes and just listen to what the speaker is saying. So I want to just give you the freedom to just listen and not have to, to read in your Bible if that makes it easier to connect to the Word. Psalm 90. A prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight, about as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning, it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening, it fades and withers. For... We are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath, we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you. Our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. 
We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70. Or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They're soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Satisfy us for as many days as you have afflicted us, and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants, and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. This is the word of the Lord. So, I would love to give background on how insightful the scripture is about um, about the nature of God and and the history of the Israelites, how Moses was a man who was so humble and so close to God, and yet he understood the fear of God and the wrath of God in a powerful way, and how we can learn about that even under the New Covenant. But um, I think in this case it's more appropriate just to go through these three questions and to see what God has to teach us from Psalm 90. Um, so, question one, what does this text teach us about God? I want to give just a minute of silence um, for you to look and consider what, what verses stood out to you in terms of what it teaches us about the nature of God. And you're welcome to take notes um, as well. After a minute, I will share some of my insights. All right, what, what stands out to me when I read this, um, this time, is a couple of things. The first one, uh, in verses 1 and 2, he says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place, the people of Israel, um, in all generations, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And so this chapter teaches us that God is eternal, It gives us this special language to see it from everlasting to everlasting. That before the earth was ever formed, God existed. And He has been the dwelling place, the home, the security and safety of His people forever. From the time the first human was brought to the earth, He was the refuge and the dwelling place. So I take a comfort from that, that God is... God is bigger than death. God is bigger than time. Um, boy, we also see um, 
God is a God that has anger and wrath. And that's uncomfortable and scary. But I want to just take what the text says and believe it because it's powerful in that way. Um, In uh, verse 8, for example, he says um, that he sees our iniquities and all of our secret sins, that God sees everything. Um, That actually doesn't relate to the wrath and anger of God. I'm sorry. Um, Verse 7, we are brought to an end by your anger, and by your wrath we are dismayed. Um, that God has anger and God has wrath and, and um, we can infer that that is from iniquity and sin um, that he sees, that he knows um, and so we understand the fear of God in, in a deeper sense that he has anger and wrath for what is evil um, but the psalm ends with more hope and so we see in verse 13 and 14 that God that we can appeal to God for pity and for understanding of his steadfast love Uh, that he is a God who gives gladness and rejoicing later on in verse 14 and so even though this anger and this wrath exists in God that we have the right to come to him and appeal to him for mercy for favor for making us glad and helping us to rejoice. And so we can infer from this, the writer of this psalm, Moses, according to tradition, he knows that God is a good God who gives favor. Um, All right, question two. What does this text teach us about humanity? Again, I'll take one minute for silence for you to consider, and then I'll share my thoughts. Verses 3 through 5. Um, you return man to dust. A thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past. Um, they're like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning and, and fades and withers at night. Um, this spoke really powerful to me, powerfully to me. When I consider yesterday is it's gone. And it seems like yesterday that I woke up yesterday morning and yesterday was not gone. And to me, that is a powerful analogy of how fleeting our life is. Um, that a thousand years even to God is like a watch in the night. And so I think, well, if I could live a thousand years, it still would just be like snap of a fingers to God a few hours at most. Um, who is Napoleon? Who is Caesar? What do they matter anymore? The only value that they have is did they believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Did they understand and submit to the name of Christ? That is the only thing that matters in eternity. Uh, that is who we are. As, hum- as humans, we're dust. Um, our life is short and we find our, our life in, in humbling ourselves before God. What else? He, um, verse 16 
can see that that as humans we have the possibility to become servants and children or not children of God but servants of God it says let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children so there's the recognition that we can um, despite our frailty we have the ability to become servants of God we have the ability to be close to him and that even in verse 17 he says establish the work of our hands upon us so we as humans have work that we can receive from God that gives us meaning that gives us purpose um, in the midst of our short span of life now I know that this I, I want to keep jumping to the new covenant and explaining all the joy and the life and purpose we have but um, if I, when we study this with the locals where we live we try to not do that we don't want them to get the impression that oh you need me a foreigner to explain this to you we want them to be able to look at the word of God and learn from the word of God um, and believe that they can so that they, they will do this um, every day on their own okay let's look at question three how can I obey God from this text? Again, one minute of silence. So in this passage, there aren't any open commands. There's no Apostle Paul saying, um, be filled with the fruits of the Spirit, love one another. There's no Jesus saying, you know, this is what you need to do. Um, it's easier in those passages, but here I... Um, for myself, this is my commitment. Um, verses 12 through 17 have a number of truths about God that I think I don't, I don't understand and believe them the way I want to. And so, for the next week, I'm committing, and I'm actually going to try and do this, um, to pray every day once um through verses 12 through 17 and ask God for deeper understanding of these. Um, teach us to number our days so that we may get a heart of wisdom. I want to number my days and have that perspective so that I can get a heart of wisdom from God more than I already have. Um, so I'm going to ask Him for that. Um, I am going to ask Him from verse 14 to satisfy me with his steadfast love and to give me deeper understanding of it so I will rejoice and be glad in him more than other things and more than I am right now. I want, to, I want to feel his joy and feel his love more fully. Um, and verse 16, I'm going to ask him to show me his work and to show my children, his glorious power in the days to come. And he'll remember that prayer even 15, 20 years from now. Um, in verse 17, I'm going to ask him for his favor to be upon me and to be upon all of us here in this congregation um, to establish the work of our hands in seeking his kingdom in the way that he wants um, and, and in my own life and in, in my own marriage and family. And I'm just going to ask him every day and believe that he's going to answer that. Um, I, just, 
I want to say that um, I, I heard this several years ago, and I want to share it now briefly. If, if you read the Bible and you don't feel the joy of God, then Satan is interrupting your fellowship with God. And so I want to encourage you that if, if you're like that, I, I'm like that sometimes, um, but sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I read it and I think, this, this book is amazing. There's so much joy. I, I feel the joy of God or the love or the fear or whatever. Um, if you don't feel that, God wants to get you there. God wants you to enjoy reading the Bible to be moved by the Bible more than any other book or any other thing that we do. So make that a prayer of yours. If if you don't, if you all oh, reading the Bible is boring, I know I should, but it's hard. I I I know there are, there are older men and women in this congregation who've shown me the joy that they have in the Scriptures, and and I want that for all of us. I think all of us can have it, no matter um, how long we've been a Christian or whatever. Just Ask God for it and and let him let him give that to you over time. Um, all right, so I want to end by sharing a testimony. Um, oh, and by the way, this model it, it's overly simple, um, but this is a model that every single person in this room can use, not only to facilitate a Bible study with Christians but also with non-Christians. I know for years and years, and even when I moved to the country where I'm living now, several years I was afraid to study with people. I didn't know how. Um, you, can, you can come right out of the baptistry this morning, and this afternoon go facilitate a Bible study using this with a group of your neighbors who've never even heard the name of Jesus. Because... You allow God to do the teaching from the Word, and we kind of step out of the way and just let Him instruct. So I want to encourage you that that um, any anyone can can lead, can facilitate a Bible study using this model. Um, and God does some pretty amazing things on teaching people things I would never have thought to speak, um, but the things that they needed to hear and that God showed them in the Word. Um, so I want to share a testimony, and then we'll be finished for today. Uh, the testimony um, is from a woman that we know named Jane. Um, Jane is, uh, that's her English name, not her, her given name. Um, this testimony expresses verse 16. Let your work be shown to your servants, and your glorious power to their children. Jane and her husband are both uh, believers, and they have three children. Uh, the oldest is about 11 or 12. Um, the youngest is 5 or 6, I think. And it was probably about 8 or 9 years ago that they became believers. And they were the only members in their family who were believers. Their parents, their brothers and sisters, none of them are Christian. Um... They became Christians, and they had one child. Well, it happens that in this country, um, the, uh, there's a restriction on, on how many children um, parents can have. And at that time, 
Uh, all families were only permitted one, one child. Then they found out that they were pregnant. And there was a bit of a crisis because um, they didn't want a forced abortion. They wanted to have this child. They believed that, he was, that it, it was a gift from the Lord. Um, they're new in the faith. No one in their family supported them in this. They all said, you need to follow the law. You need to abort this baby and be thankful for the one you have. And they stood fast and they said, no, we believe that if God gave us this, this child, that he will provide a way. We don't know how, but we're going to, to ask him and we're not going to do, we're not going to abort this child. I'm not sure at what point in time, but before the child was born, the law changed. And because both of them um, were only children, they were allowed a second. This testimony was so powerful. Not only did they give him the English name uh, Moses, because he was delivered from death, but this woman's father was so moved by that testimony of faith that he also became a believer. And about six, less than six months ago, he passed away. And his eternal future is secure because God showed his work to his servants and his glorious power to their children. And I just wanted to say that, that where we are, where my wife and I are, and where we're going to be at least over the next nine years, I believe that there are 10, 20, maybe even 30 babies waiting to be saved from abortion because their parents are going to become believers as we work with them and as God moves in their hearts and they are going to take the same stand and God is going to deliver them. That there are hundreds of people who are going to hear the message that there are dozens of families who right now have nobody in their family who believes. And someday, not only the ones who are our age, but their children and their parents are going to believe because they see the work and the power of God in us and through us. And that there are 10, 20, I even want to believe 100 or more atheists right now who are going to be ministers of the Word of God someday, who are going to be sharing this with their neighbors as the Word spreads and multiplies more than we can even imagine. And I want this congregation, my church, to be connected to that. To be just as moved by the stories that they hear every couple of months um, as we are. And to, to know that your, your prayers, your, your giving, your heart for the world, as it says up here, is really making an impact all around the world. Um, so, I, my prayer is that God moves us all in that direction together and, and that we're able to participate in the ministry that you're doing here and the ministry that they're doing over there in Spanish in some little way when we're back and, and through our prayers. So let's, let's close in a prayer. Father, um, I probably spoke for a little longer than I was supposed to, and I, um, 
I pray that, that somehow my words were a blessing to everyone rather than um, a disturbance. I, I know that you are almighty God and you don't need our help to redeem the world, but you've chosen to use us and to work with us, to have intimate partnership with us where we are your sons and daughters, where we are your friends. Even it says in the psalm that he who fears the Lord is a friend of God. And, uh, Lord, in this congregation, we want to be your partners in bringing the kingdom. And, And so we ask you today that you would draw us closer to your heart, closer to one another in love, and that you would put us in the place where you want us to to seek and save the lost, to love and to participate in the healing of this broken world, even as we ourselves are still broken and are still being conformed into the image of our Creator through the renewing of our minds and the work of the blood of Jesus. We thank you and we pray in his name. Amen.